Welcome to Accountability, where we exist to give you learned truths and live experiences from deep inside the spiritual online business space. This is where opinionated people come to speak their peace without judgment, attacks, or cancel culture looming on the doorstep. Our emotions have been brewing. It's time to spill the tea. So when you make people feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves and like your own personal development somehow impacts the whole world and anyone that comes into your sphere is this like positive light. I feel like that's how you get people to really submit more of themselves than they would in a normal situation. And that's kind of what the spiritual business world has become to many. And you and I would know having had our own past and the reasons that we got into there and connecting with so many different people, like exactly the type of people that are in there and exactly what their motivations are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know like we've both met amazing people, but a lot of us all have kind of a similar background past where we have some kind of trauma or abuse or questioning the church or a combination of all of them. And we're all these well, most of us in that space are these well-meaning people with these well-meaning virtues. And we've internalized so much of our journey as being our fault anyways, or we, we've been so independent that we're already taking so much responsibility for our lives that then suddenly something promises you this magical path to like, well, you've still been giving your power away over here. You just need to call your power back into you and you can have everything that you've always felt you deserved. And it's become this like toxic landscape of that just being regurgitated and a bad game of telephone, I feel. It's funny. What came to mind was radical responsibility. How often have you heard that term? Oh my God. Radical responsibility. And it's like, does that mean actually? And I mean, and truthfully, I think there's even a book titled that. And, but at the same time, like, seriously, I think, I, I think I came across it in my Kindle like yesterday. And that's it too. Like, you know, we're calling this accountability because really like if the, the way to true growth is recognizing where you were at a certain point that led you on this journey so that you can avoid going down that again. And I think the biggest thing is just not having shame about that, which is what we're here to discuss. What was the tipping point for you getting into this world? It's so hard to choose a specific tipping point, but I know when I finally landed in the world, but I feel like without going all the way back to my childhood, like that, even that part doesn't make sense. And so for me, I think it really started like me and my dad had a very contentious relationship That's saying it nicely because my dad has now passed and I've, mm-hmm. I've resolved a lot of the different feelings that I've had about him that were negative over the years. That being said, I always kind of felt like, and I think that a lot of us can relate to this too. I always kind of felt like a magical child. Like I have these memories of literally like hide and seek where I would literally say I'm invisible. I knew I was clearly visible. I knew it. I knew my feet were hanging out from behind the clothes. And I would just tell myself I'm invisible. Every single person that came to like open that closet would pass me by. And I'd be like, I was actually invisible. Like I just did that. I like, I have a memory of like being in a grade school gymnasium. And a f- this girl, like we were frenemies, like honestly frenemies. She's the only frenemy I've ever had. And it was grade school. And we were so competitive because we we're like two of the smartest girls. So I never wanted to lose to her. And I was like claiming that I didn't have something in my hand. I did. And she was just like, open your hand. And I was like, fine. And I opened it. I could clearly see it. 
I could see it. And she was just like, fine. And walked away. And I was like, I am so mad. So I had always thought like I was so magical. My dad kind of always hated that about me too. Like it was always like, that's not the way the world works. And I think like when you're also very intelligent, which you have this experience as well, you're almost taught more and more and more to rely on like logic. Oh my gosh. Yes. You're too smart for that. Right. You're too smart to believe in that. And that becomes such a crutch because it's also your way to people, please. Like the, the world appreciates and rewards intelligence in our society, like good grades, you get extra tokens at Shakey's or you get an ice cream sundae or a certificate or a valedictorian and you get into better colleges and you're expected to succeed and all that other stuff. But it's all these things that like teach you to like throw away all those magical elements of yourself. And then if something comes back around and goes, no, you were right. You are magic. It's like validating this inner child that just got totally shoved away in a closet. And so I like, I want to hear your childhood experiences too, because I'm sure I'm not alone. And like, I know that those are super odd and weird, but like, I feel like every single kid, at least ones that end up in our space had those where they felt psychic, where they knew the phone was going to ring and they knew who it was. So I grew up a Jehovah's witness, which is like, I'm going to ruffle feathers when I say this, but this is a borderline cult that I was grown up in. So growing up, I couldn't even use the term lucky. I wanted a rabbit's foot and couldn't have a rabbit's foot, couldn't eat lucky charms like that. So they like really like magic was such an off limits, like no, no topic that it almost made it more enticing to me as I got older. So as a kid, it was like totally off limits. Like I thought I was intuitive, but I never really like even knew what that was. Actually, Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what intuition was. It's like, that wasn't even a thing. So it wasn't until I was a teenager that I really ran. Definitely was like, this church is not for me. My family was still kind of going, but I was like, no, that I began to dip into learning about dreams and magic and like tr- like learning how to activate like intuition and trusting your gut. It's so funny that you just said trusting your gut because when you said like, I didn't even really know intuition, I was thinking in my head like, right, because the only acceptable way to say that in a logical household or in a logical society is like, you can trust your gut. That's oh, That was it. That's that was okay. like a mantra. Trust right. your gut. Right. Trust your gut or instinct, or it was labeled as yeah. instinct, mm-hmm. but it was never like intuition guiding you. Right. So I feel like because I was raised in that type of a way, it literally was the very thing that drove me to looking at things that are mystical and kind of like supernatural and you can't explain it. It literally just drove me to learning about it further. And that's something you and I. I know like pretty much every episode or like as the listeners continue to listen in, something that we regularly say is the pendulum swing. And that's exactly what we're talking about. And I know we're going to be talking specifically about like religion versus the occult or whatever you want to call it, spirituality in a later episode. But so many of the things that you see going on in this industry, except it's monetized on top of it, is really a pendulum swing. Like it's like I was... And I I, trigger warning, but like I was sexually abused. So now I'm going to flaunt my sexuality and use it as sex magic. 
or like, that's how I'm going to reclaim my power. But really like the balance is never at either end. It's that's what, when people say flip sides of the coin, those are flip sides of the same coin. It's absolutely people say empaths and narcissists, they attract each other. Why? Because they're flip sides of the same coin and they're, they're magnets. But the middle is what we're, if I'm going to use a judgment, like the healthy ground is. And I think that that's what we're really striving for in this podcast specifically is we want to talk about all these topics with a certain level, like of sympathy. We're not swinging back around to mock them. We under, like I can understand so many of them and we still hold so many of these spiritual beliefs that, that feels like a part of me, but the levels that I've taken it to, or I've internalized it, or I've, or I've gone because it was in reaction to something mm-hmm. rather than something that truly was speaking, let's say to intuition, right? Mm-hmm. Truly was like this light up moment. That's the difference. Insert standard commercial. Hi, I'm Katie of Gwen and Katie. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to hit subscribe and head over to IWantTheTea.com where you just might inspire our next show topic. And I'm Gwen. If that almost made you want to turn this off, we'll probably work well together. If you're an online business owner in need of someone to hold the big vision of your next project or guide you to the next steps of its fruition, you can find my current offerings at GwenTanaguchi.com. So I feel like I can relate so much to your religious story as well, because even though mine wasn't borderline called, I was raised a Lutheran by my mom. And I was actually six years old when I came home and I was like, mom, I'm not a Lutheran anymore. And it was the, <laughs> I never changed my mind. God, I would have never said that. Let me just like, oh, I, that's so wild that you did. Well, my dad was the enforcer and my dad was atheist because he was raised strict Catholic by like the nuns that beat you. Like, cause this was the fifties, right? Mm-hmm. So my dad was an atheist my whole life, but he allowed my mom to like raise us Lutheran. And my mom comes from like my grandma, my mom's side was a Lutheran school teacher, like just really pious, cute little women. Right. But I was six years old and they were talking about heaven and they, in, at least in Lutheran religion, they believe that only humans have uh, everlasting life, have like a soul, a spirit, like a spirit. And I had cats already, cats that I loved, uh, birds that I had already lost that I loved. Like these were my f- best friends. You know, I'm six years old and they, and I still feel, <laughs> I mean, who am I kidding? I'm now 35 <laughs> and I, they are still my best friends. I still have these animals that are my best friends. So um, maybe different ones, but yeah. So they were talking about heaven and they were just like, okay, so heaven is whatever you want it to be, blah, 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 blah. But they had already established like Adam and Eve were actually from God. Right. And then animals were basically put here for you. And so I just said, well, you said heaven and like heaven is everything I want it to be. And they're like, right. And I was like, well, it wouldn't be heaven without my animals. And this poor Sunday school teacher, you know, is probably a volunteer, is not like a pastor, is not ready for a little six-year-old to question this. And she just says, probably like the first thing that makes sense to her. And she's just like, well, it would be like your animals are there. It would be just like them. It would have their same kind of energy and you'd get the same enjoyment from them, but it wouldn't actually be them. It'd be angels taking the form of them to like give you that experience. And I just like, I was... (laughs) so angry. And I was like, then it's not my heaven. And that's when I went home, stormed home. was like, mom, I'm not a Lutheran, but like same thing. Like she still actually made me 
Lutherans get um, confirmed a lot later. We go through eighth grade. We have to go through a lot of churching and stuff. But that started my skeptical journey already where like the same friend of me that I was talking about with like not showing her, right? Like she was being raised Catholic. I would just make fun of my religion on the bus every Monday morning of like what stupid thing I learned on Sunday school, including like we were also taught, you know, like don't listen to the Eagles because um, Hotel California works with this occultist and you can see him in the music video and also. Oh, I can relate to that. Potter, right? Like because it's sorcery and it's, it's a gateway. So we still learned that just not to like, not to a deep measure, but I was always just kind of like. I'm, I'm done with this. So I had started a spiritual journey very early as well, but like it didn't really form until probably around the same time as you, where I was exploring what does Native American religion look like? What does Buddhism look like? What does Taoism look like? What does meditation look like? How do I use sage? Like, and how do I use it the proper way? And how do I dispose mm-hmm. of it properly? Like that was all something that I was already exploring too, as like a teenager. I even remember I even remember on Seventh Heaven. I don't know if anybody is like if anyone's our age and they can remember that in America, like that spiritually, you know, like the pastor, dad, and Lucy goes through a period of time. And I remember just being like, that's me. Like that, that's exactly what I had to do is just go through this period of like questioning everything. But really, even where I landed then was just kind of like everything has elements that I believe in. So like the elements that I believe in, I'm just okay believing in. Like it was even more than just agnostic because it was just kind of like, I believe in something higher. I believe in something powerful. In most cases, I believe we're all just kind of talking about the same God in different ways with different interpretations. And I kind of left it at that. I mean, there's so many crazy stories I'm sure we both could get into, but that kind of like set the groundwork then for, I guess, where we ended up later, which I I want you to like get into like how you got into or first like encountered this online spiritual business world? Oh my gosh. So 2010, I came across a book that I still have saved my like Kindle app, by the way, on like how to become a VA, a virtual assistant. And that was like goals. Cause I was like, I wanted to work at home. My kids were young, you know, and totally put it off until 2017. And I started my business. And honestly, what really got me into, because my clients were all kind of like brick and mortars, right? Mm-hmm. And what actually got me into this online space was a client that we both know very well. We're going to refer to her as Big Red. Big Red. Big Red. And I was reading my all-time favorite book. I read it all the time is uh, The Alchemist. I was reading that book and it kind of like renewed this, like, I want to learn about alchemy and magic and like those types of things. Right. And I was like, it sparked an interest reading it. Why this time? It was probably like my fifth, sixth time reading it. And I went searching on Facebook for like a group of alchemists. And that's where I found a group that we will not share the name of. And put in a request. And like, that was my first introduction truly to this online spiritual business. And that's when you reached out to me. Yeah. Which is like the divine timing where it's like, we're talking about drinking the Kool-Aid and like, this This story is the Kool-Aid. This (laughs) is a Kool-Aid spilling. Yeah. 
And then you reach out to say that like, you know, oh, I just saw your request to join this group. You were an admin of it and also the business manager and you were looking for a VA. Yeah. And I remember being like, it's divine. Yeah. Like this it's, is like so divine that this is happening. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we got on the phone like a couple days later and it was just like, we hit it off so fast. Right. And then I got the full experience yeah. of being behind, <laughs> being behind the scenes of a very big name coach. And I'll, I'll kind of like, just cause we're at about the same point. It's funny. I have like so many goosebumps on my legs too, because this is, again, this is something that I love about what we're doing here is that like, we're not trying to sell you on Kool-Aid and we're also not making fun of the Kool-Aid. Like it, it is beautiful the way that we met. It does feel divine. It does feel magical. And I think that that's meant to be part of life. But like part of the magic that gets lost in this space a lot of times is really knowing how to appreciate the mundane, the day-to-day, the whatever. Like it's so fun and it's so natural to find meaning Mm-hmm. in the way things come together. And I do believe that things come together for a reason. Things come together when you're ready for it. Like that's reiterated in so many other places, but it's just, it's not, there's not so much concentration put on it outside the world as there is like in these group spaces. Mm-hmm. But funny enough, it's, it's so similar. Like you said, 2010 wasn't being a VA, but I was like studying medical transcription because too, I wanted to make a, like a way to make money on my own doing like no taking that was big at that time admin type stuff. It so was never finished it. Had my daughter and that's important because it was 2016. And what's funny is I don't even remember like exactly how I found big red, but my guess is that I had gone to college with a different, really big name coach in the space. She's she kind of balances it though. She's really more so like she talks intuition, but she really is more so like a business coach. Mm-hmm. She's like a business coach that integrated intuition and she does really well for herself. And I won't name her as well, but I had gone to college with her. So like a couple years back, I was on her email list and she had mentioned that she was coming out as a sex coach. And I literally at the time was like, what the heck is she do? Like, what is that? Like, I had never even heard of it. I was just like a coach, like not a, not a therapist. And I just thought, well, whatever, I'm going to support her. I'll join her email list. So then she segues into this business coach and I, I was in her group on Facebook and, but just as like a way to like, I was just being supportive, like of an old college colleague, you know, I wasn't even super close to her, but we were both in the theater program. And that's like, I think that then that must have been how I was like in a group and I saw Big Red post. And her post just had this energy. Like I usually wasn't even in there, first of all. Uh, you can vouch for this as well. Like when you're scrolling Facebook, you the reason people scroll past 98% of stuff is because it's the same energy in it. Like there's yeah, this totally. different energy to it, this different kind of posting. So I just followed it. I just I followed her to her page, added her as a friend. She had this new group, the one that you're talking about, that she had recently started. There were less than 40 members in it at the time. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Real beginning. Real beginning. And I just joined it. And then I started watching her lives and I was just like, wow. And she was very deeply integrated into like, but she, she matched us like you and I both in such a way because she's highly intelligent. 
And she had had these big corporate careers and there was so much to respect about her. And she vulnerably was sharing her story prior to this and then was, was really thinking like intuition and this trust in this bigger magic. She obviously had a coach as well that was teaching her this and she just blew her own goals out of the water park. And so I like got to watch all of this because I was so early into it that like when I finally decided, I was like, okay, I'm going to, this is prior to 2017, but I was like, I'm going to buy her program. Like, I don't know what it is she has, but I need it. And at the time I was never in a worse spot besides maybe with my health issues earlier on that don't, that we don't need to get into now. I was never in a worse emotional spot than right then because that same daughter I was talking about, I was being pulled into a custody battle with her dad who was using a lot of terrible, let's just say lying techniques and emotional techniques to make my life miserable and make me question every judgment. And so I had had a stable job just in car sales. I left it because it didn't feel safe to stay there. He was threatening calling HR. He was threatening that I was withholding his daughter when he could be babysitting to show that he had her more of the time than he ever had when he was available and could have had her. There was just so much going on. So I had left that. I had this temporary online job. He was scheduling all these appointments during that. I lost that temporary job. And I was just like, I was so depressed and I was such a shell of myself and I had anxiety. And here's this woman that is saying that she has just gone through that and gone Mm -hmm. through what she referred to. And and many people use this term, but like this dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. And I just related to that. I was like, I'm in my dark night of the soul. Like I just, I need to be reborn. She became like a beacon of hope. A beacon of hope, a hundred percent. And I still remember like so many of my careers had been in sales. So when I was on the sales call with her, I called her out and I was like, I can tell that you are hard selling me and I don't like it. Like this is supposed to be like a, like somebody call it a discovery call, right? Mm -hmm. To see if it's good. And all she was doing was hard selling me, but she was so intel. She was so smart because she also had a very manipulative side to her, whether she meant to, or was aware of it or not, that she like managed to spin that as well. And so I felt so gross signing up, but I also felt this calm after it. Cause I had, no, I had like no money. This was on my credit cards. I didn't know how I was going to pay for different stuff. I'm like trying to drive for Uber, but I'm getting so much anxiety about going out to drive that I'm like crippling myself. Like, and there's no shame in it, but it was just like, it was such a perfect bubble of like, who I was at that moment and this promise of like better. So I actually started in her program and I was just being me. I was also pregnant at the time that doesn't help with the emotional curve of it all. But I was just like, I'm just going to trust. I'm just going to trust, you know, and she had these archetypes that I know that you're aware of and many people Mm -hmm. use archetypes. So I won't name them specifically, but like one that's this empowered archetype and one that's this disempowered archetype. So ways to like how are you acting? Which archetype does that belong to? Here's how to shift into this. That really truly helped me. Like I really felt like that helped me in so many ways. Like the idea of like giving my power away, I really felt like that helped me. So I was just being myself in her program and she knew my background and she just asked one day like, Hey, do you want to do some sales calls for me? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll do some sales calls for you for your next program. Cause I was feeling this program was like amazing for me. Mm-hmm. Like I was loving it. So then I'm doing sales calls for her next program and we do so well and we do so many. And so many people are signing up, like coming through me first, that she's like, how would you like to be my business manager and come on board full time? And I'll pay you this and commission for sales. And it was like an angel swooping in. And 
I don't know if you know this, Gwen. At the time, I literally was working on something else at the time too, a commission sales only job. And I remember saying to my partner at the time, I was like, I feel like this is the easy way out. I don't feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. And he said, well, whatever you want to, I trust you. But again, I was like seven or eight months pregnant. I had gone on welfare well, on her program. And mm-hmm. I was just like, there was still like that idea of like, I need to be responsible and I need to see where this goes. So I signed on and people started knowing my name just because of the association to her, because she had grown so much by that point. Then this program that I had started doing sales calls for ended up being her biggest launch to date. It was over 200 grand. When I had signed up with her in one year's time, and this is before COVID, I feel like COVID made a lot of millionaires in this space. Totally. Yeah. Because everybody was at home. Everybody had more time. Everybody had some stimulus. Everybody became a coach or something. Exactly. So like COVID made a lot of millionaires. This was not common, like as common back Mm -hmm. in 2017. And this woman had gone from zero to $600,000 in like nine months time. And we broke her over a million in the next two months. So we did another 400,000 in two months time as soon as I came on board. And it was just like shockwaves, which brings us to the point of like, we're about to reach out for additional help. You came in Mm -hmm. as the intuitive VA. And I just thought this girl, this girl's it. Like, this is who we've been waiting for. And then it kind of, that whole experience was, how would you say was that like your boiling point of the industry with how that all played out that like brings us to kind of like where we're at right now in a podcast that's dedicated to kind of the calling out and also sympathizing right with the industry no not fully it's so hard to say and i know that you know this but like so I ended up leaving. And when I was leaving, it was it was a big deal because at the time, some people had already started referring to her group, which was now at over 3,000 members. So keep in mind, I joined it under 40. Less than a year later, it's over 3,000 members. People had started describing that as a cult-like environment. And it was very true because this was a woman that encouraged you to speak your mind and to speak your truth. And yet if you spoke out against her, literally it was like the minions came to get you. She didn't even have to say anything, but when she did, it was so smart. You almost never wanted to speak up again. Like she was a master sales. She had like the bay hive, right? Isn't that what they call them? Yes. Like the bay hive of yes, like the, of the online coaching world. Like literally people came to her defense so fast. I've just like that. never seen anything like it. But like there started to definitely be inconsistencies, but we've spoken about this before, you know, like so much of it, I used to always say to people, like, you can see 90% of what we see. You can see so many of the inconsistencies that we see. I mean, this is also a woman that for part of her journey said she was channeling aliens for part of her journey said she was channeling angels, then said, if you're channeling anything, you're giving your power away. So anybody that needs to channel anything actually isn't stepping into their own power. She's also somebody that dabbled in the idea of sex magic and, and utilized that. But she also had relationship programs and her relationships lasted like three months max and fell apart. Like, I mean, everybody could see this. And this is something that I still see today. Every, if you actually follow somebody long enough on their Instagram or their Facebook, you can see this. Like you are allowed to evolve. 
But if your ideas are literally just like spaghetti on a wall, mm-hmm. at what point do you go like, if she just believes this now, why would I invest in just believing that now? Makes so it harder to buy in. Yeah. So that was part of like part of the downfall. I think it was really just being in that hearing other stories behind the scenes, there was also a mass exit from one of her group programs in which they were just like, one of the members actually said to me like, oh, Katie, when you see it, you'll see it. And at the time I was just like, what are you talking about? Because at the same time, you know, I, I feel like I have a knowledge bias. I feel like because I can see it, everybody else is seeing this too. And they're still just choosing it. I really do to this day credit her with saving me in a sense from that horrible time. Was it very manipulative in the sales process? What did I have the money? Was it ethical? Those are all just judgments. Like it's hard for me to say because I still chose it and I still wanted it even after I felt that icky feeling. And I still am here today because of it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so I've never regretted any of the time, but definitely like seeing more of the hypocrisies behind the scenes, more of the way that she was changing and something you and I have have talked about as well is that it's so much this like hustle and flow in this culture. It's all about the flow. It's all about the flow. The problem is hustle doesn't go away. You just outsource it. Who does that good outsource? You and me, the people. I was just going to say us. Right. And then all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, because we're so ingrained in this, we're now internalizing that as though we haven't reached this echelon point of like, we're not evolved enough that it's easy for us. We're not evolved enough at the time. Total lower tier feeling. Mm-hmm. And That's how it felt from, me, from my vantage point. And even starting with her versus ending with her. When I started, we it had been a whole conversation about this, like work-life balance. It should never be working more than 30 hours a week. Like this is, if I'm doing well, you're doing well, let's, let's make sure like the energy, the co- cohesive energy needs to be aligned. By the end of it, I was working 80 plus hours a week. And that's when I had you on and you were working overtime too. Like, I mean, it was just, it had spiraled. And so much of that work was literally bunk work. And we would try informing her of that and not be like, all of a sudden we started being treated as lesser than two. Like we weren't being listened for our ideas. It wasn't collaborative. It wasn't like equal team members. There'd be team meetings, but it was listen to me or be done. And one of the finalizing points for me is I had hired this other coach for intuition and she found out about it. She literally held basically an intervention call of me and her for an hour and a half on how she would just donate to me her time and I could be coaching with her because I didn't need any outside influences. And this is also a woman that by this point I had seen her tell people to stop taking their medications, to stop seeing their therapists. I had heard her say fire other coaches and that was kind of normalized in this industry Mm -hmm. at the time, but telling people to fire their therapists or stop taking their medications when this and claiming to self heal from different mental personality disorders. um, Those were certain things that I just couldn't get behind anymore. And so that was, I would say that's the start of the downfall. I think my real turning point came after I'd been screwed over a few more times with different positions and roles, but also just realizing over time how many other people, even good meaning people were just doing this exact same thing. We're just, because it's taught, it's really, it's sold as an MLM. 
which I know we're going to get into yeah. like in another episode. That's a hundred percent true. I had come out to like the foreground for a real little bit of time. That was probably my final, like, I need to step away from this for a bit because I was out there literally saying like every at 10 K months were all the rage. They recently made a comeback again. 10 K months is the rage. And even that's like not enough now. Right. But 10 no, it's not enough. We're the selling rage at that point. It's 50 now. See, or hundred K or collapsing time. Collapsing time's been around since then as well. Oh, but yeah. I'm just, Everyone loves saying that. So I was sitting there telling people like, I can easily teach you how to make 10K in a month. Let me give you the formula. I tell you, I can help you make 10K in a month. I get five calls from that post because I'm well-known enough that people will sign up. Out of those five calls, I get two people to enroll over the phone and charge $5,000 to their credit card. I've just made 10K in a day even. I can advertise that I can make 10K in a day. But now all that I will teach you is to go make a post with confidence. Make sure you're, if you if it doesn't work for you, it's because you're not owning your confidence. It's because you don't believe it yourself, right? I can put this it's on leaky you. energy. It's leaky energy. You don't believe in it enough, right? It's not me because I just proved to you this works because I did it, right? So now all I'm going to teach you is to go make a post with confidence that gets out to enough of an audience that you can get five people on the phone and course two of them into giving you 5k over the phone and you've now made 10k in a month. And so yeah. like I made a post highlighting that and I was like this is what so much of it has become. I am not going to do that. I will teach you actual marketing, I will teach you actual sales, I will teach honest sales conversations. I was calling myself an honesty mentor at the time actually because I was like you have to get honest with yourself about what you truly do believe you can do best and then who you do that best for. If you actually do figure those two things out, that's how sales are made with, without manipulation, without coercion techniques, without like closing tactics, which was so big at the time as well, right? How to close mm-hmm. people, not how to meet people where they are. And so I was teaching that and I realized even the people that I, I knew were very intelligent people that I knew really wanted to work with me. It was almost like everybody came in with this idea of like, no, no, I get it. I get it. Like, I don't need to make it. And yet half of each call, I'd be sitting there trying to retrain them to be like, because their eyes would just be focused on like, oh, but this person is working with Big Red and they just had a $100,000 launch. And I'd be like, and it's not sustainable at this point. Everything was built on these shaky foundations. And I was just like, I'm not here to teach shaky foundations. I'm out. Mm-hmm. If people don't want to learn how to build, and you and I have talked about that so much. If people don't want to oh build it ground up, and be willing to have a solid foundation that they're basing this information off of. I don't want to teach you how to make $100,000 because guess what? If you don't learn that foundation, you're going to lose it. It's feast or famine business. It's feast or famine. And so that was really my breaking point is that it had just become like so many people in this space too weren't necessarily salespeople. So they couldn't even see that it was all just classic sales manipulation tactics being rebranded. And an MLM style selling. Mm-hmm. And those were considered mm-hmm. successful, but there was nothing, there was no substance. There was nothing behind it. And there, it was so shame ridden too. And like guilt. And it was becoming so heavy. And everyone was just looking for the next big thing. But all of these were just re- recycled things from the occult. Mm-hmm. As people like you and I knew, because we had gone on the spiritual journey of ourselves of like what's out there, that it was just like, I can't uh, for my, for my own health, I need to like get away from this space now for a bit, but I want to know, like, what was, 
Cause you're still in this business. So I was just going to say, so I'm still in it. <laughs> you took a break from it and I'm still in it. I will say that the people that I work I with are like hands down. So in integrity, like, so I really like want to just have that be as like a disclaimer. I'm very selective with who I work with, mm-hmm. but my turning point for really like wanting to bring to light some of the issues that I was seeing. And it was, yes, big red. That was a big part of it. I even tried like raising my price. I remember at the time I raised my prices to $4,000 a month. I mean, as an admin, like behind the scenes, like that's a pretty penny, you know? Yeah, it is. I raised my prices and I was like four grand. She accepted and I couldn't even make it a month. Where I was like, okay, I cannot do this. Right. But it wasn't until I started working with these two women who were the psychic frenemies, the psychic frenemy coaches, that I saw how nasty and downright like mean and the inconsistencies, right? Who they were up front was 100% not who they were behind the scenes and even on client calls, some of, because I was privy to it all, right? Of all of it, messenger, like the whole nine. And it wasn't until I saw something that just, it's still, I will not even say it. It still just like shakes me. Some of the stuff that I saw where I'm like, how can you say this about your clients mm-hmm. who are paying you for one to like remedy something? And that was a turning point for me because it was like, I know that they're not the only ones that are behaving in this way. And it was so dirty feeling that I was like, never again. It forced me to become more selective in my own onboarding. Yeah. Also like things to, that I integrated into my business that I had never had before. Like I now have a trial period. Nobody's just like hiring me and I'm on the hook with them. Like, yeah, I have a couple months trial period because I want to see who you really are and what you really stand for and how you treat your clients is a big ass part of that. Yeah. So those two with big red and then the psych in front of me coaches, that those were like 100% my turning point. I've thought about leaving the industry, but I love my clients. The people that I work with, I love. And I do feel like kind of like bringing this back around. I do feel like I'm making a difference. Yeah. And I do believe in the industry. I believe in coaching. I I believe in spiritual mentorship. I do believe in those things. So it's just making sure that it, you know, it's for the people that align with my goals now and visions and ethics. Yeah. I think that's where we both stand. Like I've never needed to leave the industry altogether. What I needed was space, I guess, to figure out where that pendulum swings back and not get caught up in it. And oh my God, am I so glad I did because some of the topics that we're talking about of, because I wasn't even going on Facebook for a while, but some of the topics we'll be talking about are the CEO culture, the CEO like hoes. Right. And self, self, so so we're clear because proclaimed as like, 
actual feminism and a reclamation and talking about like, we've been seeing so many people that have shifted back from a cult to religion again. Oh, that is crazy to me, by the way, to watch somebody in real time that was very witchy, right? Just denounce it all. And, and now swinging back to Christianity. And I feel like so many people are going to yell at me for even calling it the occult this entire time, because I feel like most people will take offense with that term and want it to be called spirituality as though the occult is dark or whatever else. So I want to like specify too, I'm not implying anything with that. I think that my biggest takeaway that I've taken almost, this is my own pendulum swing where I almost feel like I'm just back to where I was when I was going through all the different religions. Right. And I was just kind of like, okay, what I've realized is that we're all probably talking essentially about the same thing with these different ideas about what that means or who that is or what they look like. That's almost how I've come back to this again, where I'm like, this is really just kind of a a crazy offbeat segment of business. But really so much of what even ends up in the spiritual business world is set in the regular business world. It just gets this, it just gets this crazy spin on it that sells there. Like it's like putting a color that's in red, blue, and yellow primary colors into neon font. Like it's Mm -hmm. essentially the same thing. And that's part of what this podcast is eventually going to grow about as well is that the reason that it's so easy to be able to speak on these is because every single industry, every single one has the people that have reached their own breaking points. You see the doctors that call out and will say, I used to believe this and now I'm all for this. And um, there's whistleblowers everywhere, but especially because there's no oversight board in coaching, like there is in therapy, like there is for doctors. And you're taking vulnerable people, mostly vulnerable people in without any of this oversight that probably do have past trauma, which has become another big its own segment, right? Trauma-based coaching, Mm -hmm. but it's literally one certification by somebody that's not even a therapist. Like these are the things that we need to discuss. So I know part of the purpose was at least to, how do you remove the red tape? You make the influencers believe that it's in their best interest and influence to change the ways they're doing things. And we're hoping by starting that conversation with accountability and realizing the role that you've played, but also why you were susceptible and what you're susceptible to and kind of taking the wool out from your eyes, we can shed light on that and maybe change the industry into something that is more accountable. We just want that accountability. And that's why we want to, so to speak, spill the tea on our beliefs of truths on these different issues over the next coming episodes. And we'd love for you to join the conversation with us because once you see it, you cannot unsee it. If you want to stay a fly on the wall for future conversations, remember to hit subscribe to stay in the loop. For those looking to spill the tea, head on over to IWantTheTea.com and join the discussion. I'm Gwen. And I'm Katie. See you around.